You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Jake Corley. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to Oil & Gas This Week, the podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for everyone for joining us again for episode 177. Paige, Patrick, man, this is like good old times. We're all back on the show here. Jake couldn't make it up here, but we're sitting here doing the show, and we are in Gillette, Wyoming at the Energy Exposition. Patrick, welcome back to whatever yeah, our show is. Thanks for letting me out of the crawl space under your stairs so I could get on the <laughs> podcast. Yeah, and audience, uh, you know, Patrick and I both dropped off the HSE podcast. We have a future podcast coming that's sort of secret, but we'll tell you because we know y'all. It's the only guy's sales and marketing podcast. Shh, don't tell Shh. anybody. So, but Patrick's coming oh, I'm back. I'm telling on. everybody. <laughs> and then, Paige, thanks for joining us on the Oil and Gas Industry Leaders podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to let everybody know big shout out to BCD Travel. They're the official travel sponsor of OGGN. They're the reason we're up here. Great people. If you work in the oil and gas industry and you need to make sure you can move your people and your stuff around safely and know where it is and economically, reach out to them. They're great. We've got a link in the show notes. And if you want to support the show, leave a review. So we got a great one. It's very long. Thank you guys for serving our industry from Linebacker43 from the U.S. I'm a fan, gentlemen. I've been listening since 2016. I can't thank you enough for transmitting quality information. I spent a great deal of my time driving this podcast. afforded me an opportunity to make better use of it. Recently, I got a chance to get to know Mark a little bit. Sorry, dude. <laughs> During our interaction, he exhibited a genuine passion for the advancement of the oil and gas industry, and it became evident that he valued taking time to help others along the way. That's how I try to lead my life. He goes on and on, but just thank you, thank you, thank you. At the end, he says to tell a friend about the podcast and help promote the diversity and the growth of the fantastic oil and gas global network community. So Linebacker43, dude, thank you very much. If you want to be like Linebacker43 and get a big shout-out show, leave us a review. It's the number one way to support the show in all of our shows. We're up to seven shows now, people. It's crazy. It's a lot of shows. Yeah. yeah. Of shows. Name them all. You uh, can't. <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> but I can. It's a challenge. Okay, Paige, let me see here. Oil and Gas This Week, Oil and Gas HSE, Oil and Gas Industry Leaders, Oil and Gas Legal Risk, Oil and Gas Onshore Permian Perspective, and Oil and Gas... Ah, big round of applause. Uh, close. It's actually oil and gas HSE, not HSE. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> hey, and just uh, just real quick, we want to get into... Well, before we, do, before we do, Mark, we do need to give a shout out to RMI, who are right across from us, and they are sponsoring the silence on this show today. And if you want to know exactly what I'm talking about, they have this awesome spin in a prize wheel that is extremely loud, and they've asked, they've volunteered to silence it while we're recording. Hey, can we get a, give it a spin? So all that clicking that you're hearing right now will not be on the show because they've agreed to be quiet. So big shout out to RMI. Yeah, and RMI does safety industrial supply. So if you need FRs, hard hats, whatever, reach out to them. There's a link in the show note. We do appreciate them for sponsoring our quiet moment while we're <laughs> at the show. And let's just get into news stories. Hit it, Paige. All right. Mozambique gas riches near as $25 billion LNG plant approved. Yeah, this is a really cool project. So Andrew Darko has been involved in this in Mozambique for, I don't know, 10 years, forever. And it's a really interesting part of the country where they need the revenue and the prosperity that this LNG will bring, but they've had their problems. And, and Andrew Darko has just stuck to it. I think they started back in 2010, and they've 
get to the point now where they're investing even more money because it's critical to have this LNG resources for, for Southern Africa. And mark my words, once they, once they get these LNG plants built and stood up, they'll start exporting LNG, we'll just, which will just provide cheap, abundant, reliable energy for the rest of the world, the rest of that part of the world. But they had some issues. Patrick, you want to talk a little bit about what went on with the, the government over there? I was not prepared for that section. I was <laughs> I, oh, well, then. Let me jump into it. So Mozambique is that is in the center of this the government restructuring, where they had some issues, they had some investor issues, and the project almost died. And Mozambique's government decided to restructure the deal with the help of some outside people. And Exxon Mobil is involved in this. Total was involved in this. Now the the key thing that's kind of different about this is if you don't know. Occidental just picked up Anadarko. And the cool thing is Occidental has greenlighted this to continue going for it, just like nothing has ever happened. And they're looking at having the, the capacity to produce almost 13 million tons of LNG. And that's just the first train. Which will, it says in this article, double Mozambique's GDP. Yeah. Which is, for one project to double your country's GDP. That's... Out. What's GDP? Your gross, gross domestic product. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's how much basic money the country makes. It's how you measure a country's wealth. So by just building this one project, they're going to double their income. It would be like somebody putting a new swing set in your backyard and your household income doubled. Oh, okay. Okay, I understand. Yeah. But, so, Mark, but why? Because I, I knew one guy. He was constantly, he was with Anadarko, constantly going back and forth to Mozambique. So why, when Anadarko was running this project, did it not get off the ground or get to where it's going now? They had issues with, with the government, quite frankly. They had some corruption issues. They had some permitting issues. They had some issues with the structuring of the financial side of the deal. And a lot of operators at that point would have backed out because the way the contracts were written, they could back out without a penalty. And I just think it's cool Anadarko stuck to it. Now, of course, Anadarko sticking to it so it can make money. But at the same time, it's a bit of a humanitarian effort because that part of, of Africa could really use the money. And, and it's not so much the money, but it's the jobs and the prosperity and the roles and the schools and the hospitals that's going to get built all because of this. So it's really cool to see this going through. And I was a little worried about it when Occidental picked up Anadarko because Occidental could have decided to kill it, even though it would have been penalties. And it's just I think it's cool to really go through. Didn't Total play some part in this? Yeah, so Total is one of the operators that are in the consortium that renegotiated this deal. And Total has a stake in this game too. Total has several fields that they discovered right around the same geographic area. And so what I think Total is doing is letting Anadarko and the government of Mozambique build the infrastructure. So the pipelines and LNG plants, then what does Total do? Just use it. It's right there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So it's, I think it's kind of a smooth move to Total to help support this without having to invest all the CapEx to help them build the infrastructure. Well, not just the infrastructure. This article doesn't go into the, the amount of jobs locally that are going to be created. Mark, do you have a, a bead on, you know, the kind of the effects of a project this scope is going to have on not just the infrastructure, but the, the jobs, the money going into the people's pockets? Yeah. So in the beginning, it's going to look like a bell curve. And when they get when they get to the maximum part of the project where they have the most construction going on, and not only do you need construction people, but you need financial people, you need project managers, you need safety people. It's going to be, it's probably, you're looking at 20, 25,000 jobs being created for that. Then once the project's completed, that job thing will trail off. But then you have another thing that happens that a lot of economics, a lot of economics people don't factor in is the, the spinoff jobs, right? So now that there's more people working there, you can need more hotels. Now, if there's more hotels, you need more cleaning staff. Now, you need more places to eat. Well, you need more places to eat, and you have to have ways to get there. So, you need more roads. So, you need more Uber drivers. And it just there's this trickle effect where the economy itself is boistered. Perfect example that is Midland. Go to. I Midland. was just about to say that. <laughs> yeah, and but, it, but I was about to go the other route. So, is this a boom and bust? Are they going to have this build up to support the the build phase, which is the top of that bell curve? And then not have enough people to support the the hotels, the food industries. Is it, it going to fall off? 
I mean, like we have in West Texas, it's we have boom and bust, and there's build phases, and then those man caps go empty for years. Yeah, and no, because what happens in West Texas is based upon the price of crude oil. LNG, I believe, is the fuel of the future, and LNG is sold a different way than crude oil. Crude oil is sold literally by a minute-by-minute-a-day price schedule. LNG is sold by long-term contracts. So you go, okay, I'll buy X amount of tons of LNG over the next 15 years, and I'll give you this much per ton. And then they agree upon it. So you don't have the market swings back and forth because the economic model is different than selling crude. Make sense? Yeah. yeah. So this article actually does mention the kind of a dip in the LNG market. Is that a huge concern? Is it long-term? I'm trying to pull up some uh, LNG market outlooks right now. It was a short-term thing. LNG prices for the last couple of years have been low, and, and the market is driving that. LNG, once we start building, not just us, but these LNG plants, which if the audience doesn't know, an LNG plant takes the gas, natural gas, and converts it into a liquid, so it's economical move. But you can't do a whole lot with that liquid. You have to turn it back into a gas when you get there, so you have what's called regasification plants, so that when you turn on your stove, the gas gets lit. Unlike here, where we're connected directly to the gas fields, places like Africa and Asia Pacific will be connected to gas that probably came out of North America or maybe Mozambique. But what was your question, Patrick? Uh, just the market outlook. I guess oh. so that, that leads into, so where is this, where's the LNG going? Is it going to Europe? We're in the very beginning of the first inning of the LNG market globally. The demand is there, but the demand isn't real strong. So a lot of the world still fires their electrical plants with coal. They want to move natural gas, but they won't do it until they have access to the gas. So right now, a lot of the LNG, well, not right now, but for the last, say, five years, a lot of the LNG projects were built upon the future earnings. They knew right now they would lose money because there was no market for it. But as soon as they could build the infrastructure where you could move that LNG so some country like Croatia can go, you know what, we, we believe 100% that we can quit using coal because we have this other supply of fuel, then they'll start buying the natural gas once they make the switch, and then that feeds the market. So it's kind of backwards, but, but that's what's going on. So the, the low LNG prices had to do with a bit of an oversupply because we got some of our LNG plants like Chenier up quicker than we thought before they could start switching from coal to natural gas. And then as moving forward, LNG, I think, could do a lot of stuff. I think somewhere down the road, I had this discussion last night at dinner and somebody didn't agree with me, but I really think that down the road, hydrogen is going to be a, a huge fuel for personal transportation, personal and commercial transportation. Well, you got to get that hydrogen from somewhere. Up until recently, hydrogen typically was produced by electrolyzing saltwater. So you run electricity through it, you get hydrogen off of it. There's a cheaper, better way. You can actually do molecular <laughs> manipulation in natural gas and pull hydrogen out of it. And I think that's where we're going with that. So that will be another market for LNG is hydrogen production. Now, that's that's 50 years, 100 years down the road. So with all that hydrogen, we're going to have a resurgence in the Zeppelin market? We... No, we have a resurgence in vehicles that produce water vapor as their exhaust. And, and it's funny, last night at dinner, somebody who I respect a lot was disagreeing with me saying, hey, we'll never go to hydrogen vehicles because it's dangerous, it's explosive. And I had to stop him and I go, so is gasoline. <laughs> but we end up building the process and the infrastructures so that we now don't think twice about filling our cars with something that's explosive. It'll be the same way with hydrogen. All right, what's next? Crude oil inputs to Mexico's refineries fall for fifth year in a row. And shout out to Sergio Chapa for this, a uh, friend of the show. Big friend of the show. Thanks, Sergio, for Ooh, writing this. Sergio. <laughs> Sergio got three shout outs to buy us lunch. <laughs> yeah, so this is very interesting. 
So Mexico, when I say Mexico and I talk about oil and gas, basically think of um, Pemex. Mexico has a problem in the fact that they have abundant hydrocarbons under their ground, but they can't get them out effectively. And this is talking about how the import of crude to their refineries for five years in a row has declined. And it's not declined because there's a decline in demand. There's actually an increase in demand. It's literally they can't get the crude to the refineries. Now, here's the funny thing. They produce a heavier crude, which they actually can't refine. We hmm. want that heavier crude because we can refine it. What they want is the light sweet crudes, which we really don't like to refine, but we produce all the shelf plates for just light sweet crudes. So we've been building pipelines from Texas to Mexico forever to supply that crude. But because of, and I'm going to say it, corruption, theft, you know, people ta- hot tapping pipelines, you know, loads of crude disappearing overnight because it really hit the black market. Because of that, they just can't get the crude to refineries. And now they're having trouble producing enough gasoline diesel for their country. And so it's just, you know, it's, it's a problem that as an, as an American European, you go, how can you not fix this? But, but it's just a different culture there. And if they can't get their hands on this corruption and get this thing fixed, the people that get hurt the worst are the actual Mexican people. They're going to pay more, not just for their personal transportation, but think of all the goods that are imported, everything from milk and eggs to, you know, Teslas to whatever they're going to pay more for because now it costs more to move that sort of stuff. Now, Pemex is supposed to be making some improvements, and, and their president, Andres Manuel Lopez Obridado, need another middle name there, um, <laughs> is actually doing some really cool stuff. I, I was a little worried that it was all kind of marketing hype, some of the, the things he wanted to change in Pemex, but he's done it, and, and he's continuing to do it. So if, if they can keep this thing moving in the right direction, they'll get their hand on this. But for now, you know, we're provi- providing them with the crude that they need for their refineries, and you know, some of their shelf leases, there's a bunch of American European companies that have really tapped in that. And now that we can actually, by law, come and own some of those hydrocarbons, it's an incentive for the American service companies, the Slumber Jays and Baker Hughes, to go help them get those hydrocarbons out of the ground. So this is another piece of the story of, of Mexico and Pemex trying to get things cleaned up to make it better for their people. So a majority of the light sweet crude they get comes from the United States, not, not Europe, not West Africa? Right, from the U.S. Because it's so cheap to transport, because literally you just put a 20-inch pipe <laughs> between right. Odessa <laughs> and, you know, Tabasco, and all of a sudden you got all the light, sweet crude you want. Yeah, because they're even talking about opening up a seventh refinery, if I'm yeah. not. No, you're absolutely right. Okay. Now, the, here's the cool thing from a marketing point of view, and if you're not from Houston, you're not going to get this. But Latinos as a whole are very marketing, are very brand loyal. And so Pemex, which is almost the only place you can buy gasoline or diesel for your car in Mexico, opened a couple of service stations in Houston. And because the people that have immigrated here or their parents immigrated are loyal to the brand, they go and buy the Pemex gasoline because it's what they've always done. They're loyal to the brand, right? I don't blame them. You want to know where that fuel is coming from? It's not coming from Pemex in Mexico. It's coming from BP refinery because <laughs> it's the closest refinery. Well, to, that makes to, sense. Yeah. yeah. And so I just think it's, from a marketing point of view, I think it's fascinating that that brand loyalty is so strong that people will actually go out of their way. It would be like you opening a Chevron in Nigeria. Actually, that's a bad one because Chevron's already in Nigeria. It'd be like you open a, Sh- a Chevron in Russia and the Americans mm-hmm. that live there will go drive an extra 20 miles to go fill up at the Chevron because they're used to seeing the logo. They're used to seeing the name, even though the gasoline would really be Russian gasoline. Hmm. What we got next? Well, uh, wait, before we move on, I want to I wanna ask the audience, Mark, how do you say say the company, the Mexican national oil company? Pemex. Pemex. Yeah. I want the audience to reach out. Is it Pemex? Or Pemex. I've always heard Pemex, so you always say Pemex, and it hits the ear wrong. So I, actually, I, need, I need the audience to come out, and what, what, is, what is the preferred? And actually, if we could do that, audience, let me know 
if you're from Latin America or not, if, if Spanish is your native language or not, because that's, I think that's the key part. That really is. Yeah. Because yeah. I've actually talked to people in Mexico. Actually, I, I can't tell the story, but I had past deals with Mex. <laughs> that's actually funny. And that's how they pronounce Too it. Too many non-social agreements. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, audience, let us know. How do you pronounce it? I'd love to hear that back from you. <laughs> All right. So U.S. refiner Philip 66 enters offshore oil export race. Whew. This is a really cool story, and it's really nice that we're actually talking about some downstream stuff. So Phillips 66 wants to be able to expo- help export crude around the world. Now, the Gulf Coast is the predominantly the prominent area in the U.S. where we export crude for a bunch of reasons, one of which all, most of the refining capacity in the U.S. is in the Gulf Coast. The other thing is we have a bunch of deep water ports, and actually the Gulf of Mexico, even though you get some bad weather, is not as bad as the Atlantic or the Pacific Northwest. So you put all that together, it's a great place to, to fill up super tankers. This is really cool. This project is called Blue Water Texas Terminal, and what they're doing is they're literally, instead of trying to build a terminal like most people would do, which would be find some land on the, on the port and build your facilities, They've applied for permits, and they've received the permits, and they're going to build their terminal 20 miles off the coast of Corpus Christi. So it's going to be 20 miles out in the ocean, and they're building, what did I tell you all, was it 30-inch pipes? It was two 30-inch pipes, I believe, that are actually load these super tankers, and they're actually going to be able to do, oh yeah, it's two 30-inch pipes. They're actually able to, able to offload 1.6 million barrels per day. Now, a super tanker is usually right around 1.7, 1.8 million barrels. So they literally will be able to load a super tanker in a day, which right now takes about a week. And they're going to have the ability to do this twice every day. So this is going to be a major game changer. That's insane. It really is insane. It's going to be a major game changer. But the other thing is the CapEx investment is you know pushing $3 billion. And we talked about this earlier on the last article. Jobs are being created. And... You have the short-term construction jobs, but you have the long-term operational jobs. And I think it's kind of cool that the terminal is 20 miles from land. Like, you have facilities out there so far. Now, Patrick, you have a maritime background. Part of that, I would think, is the water draw of the ships, right? 20 miles out is probably pretty deep. Well, yeah, and I don't know, being from Louisiana, I assume you might, the, uh, the Louisiana offshore, offshore oil port, the loop, is, right. is the, I want to say, second by volume highest traffic port in the United States. And it's, I believe, 18 miles off the coast of Louisiana. And that's always been the go-to deep water port. And it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's how much water the, the ships draw, how much traffic's coming in. You're not going to have as much risk coming into port. Obviously, you've got more ship traffic, more small boats. You just keep them offshore. 20 miles, you just come up. You... I didn't even think of that. So super tanker is not something you can just hit stop and it stops. <laughs> right? Right. It's, it's enormous. And so if they have it further off, there's less smaller traffic, less chance of incidents, both for the smaller of vessels, but also for the super tanker itself. Yeah, and then you just, you know, it's it just pipelined into whatever facility is, is on shore, but you don't have to do it right there at the, at the port, at the dock. Yeah, and the other thing is, this is a big CapEx investment, but in the last five years, land is at a premium in the port of Houston, and that's actually driving a lot of port business to Louisiana, not that they have better facilities, and no hate mail. I'm from Louisiana, I love you. Me too, don't forget me. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the facilities aren't as robust in Louisiana as they are in Houston, or I said they were in the past, not as robust. Now that the prices are so expensive here in Houston, it's driving traffic to Louisiana. Now they're building better facilities, better offloading facilities, better ports, better dry docks. And it's actually interesting to watch the economic model change. Texas probably needs to do something about that, but right now it's so hot and heavy that now, now's not time to do it but i can see somewhere in the future if this competition continues between us and louisiana i can see texas offer some type of tax tax incentives especially when you're building stuff off the actual land itself where space is as much of a premium i know they've done this before but this is like just a really really cool project and then i love this part enterprise products epp 
is involved in this because guess what? You got to bring the crew to the port. How do you get it there? You need a pipeline. Well, who yep. owns pipelines? Enterprise products. Yep. So here's the midstream part of our industry helping the downstream part of our industry in a way that everybody makes money. So, you know, this is awesome. I'd, I'd actually, if anybody's involved in Phillips 66, involved in this project that's listened to our show, reach out to us. I'd like to actually go deeper in this. And, and if we could somehow manage a tour and report back on what y'all doing, I would love to see that. Now, I realize it's still in the planning phase, but even that I'd like to cover maybe even on the technology podcast because this is a big jump in infrastructure technology to be able to build something that, because you know it has to be robust and it has to be, it can't fail, right? So I, w- I would love to see what technology they're using to do all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and it does show that you know now we are a net exporter of, of crude. And I was doing some research on, on Loop. At the end of this past year, they've exponentially increased their exports going out of Loop. Some of that thought was that they are lowering their imports so they're able to export more. But the fact that they're building another facility off the coast of Corpus Christi, you know, it's, it's showing that there is a greater global demand for U.S. oil. Yeah, and, and the oil that they're exporting is coming from all the shell plays. So it's, it's a, it's a helps the operators because, number one, it's going to diminish and hopefully get rid of that price differential. But number two, give you know the three-man drill rig shop in Odessa, Florida, access to buyers in Zimbabwe or, or whatever. So it's kind of good for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And then, as you know, we, we, I touched on a little bit the HSC side of things. I remember hearing, it was in May, there was actually a, a tanker collision in the Houston Ship Channel. Which shut down the shut down the ports. I remember that it shut that entire chip channel. Yeah. Did it for a couple of days. Well, and do you know do you know what Texas chicken is? I'm scared to ask on the microphone, but what is Texas chicken? <laughs> so there is a stretch in the Houston chip channel where the pilots will play chicken with each other, and at the last second they will do you know hard right to go. That's the only way to get by. They Whoa. use the, they use the water cushion in between the bows to push each other off, and then as they're going by, the suction pulls their sterns in. But they have to literally play chicken with each other. And these pilots know exactly when to, when to turn right. It's, they're in communication. It's done every single day, a dozen times a day. It's the safest thing, but it is a highly risky maneuver. Oh, my God. The fact that it has the name Texas Chicken. Is- <laughs> well, we have a new show coming out that I don't want to talk about yet, but it's right in that spot. And when that new show does come out, we're going to have to go explore some of that because it scares the But you tell me just thinking about it? How cool would it be to go through that? We, I was going to say we need to reach out to the Houston pilots and see if we can get on one and... Yeah, any pilots out there listening, reach out to us. We're not quite there yet, but in the next couple months, we will be there. We would we would love to give you some exposure and experience something like that. I'm going to need some drama, man. <laughs> I'm going to need a drink or two. <laughs> and so before we get back to the rest of the show, this is the end of our news stuff, I just want to kind of talk a little bit. What do you all think of the show? This is our first trip to Gillette, Wyoming, the first trip to the Energy Expo, and I think it's really cool. Number one, beautiful state. Oh, my as, God, as, yes. as much as I've seen, beautiful, gorgeous the people here are extremely polite and just just nice, and it's genuine, and I, I think that's what I've enjoyed so much so far. Yeah, the people are here incredible, both in the hotel, in our airport, our car service, all that sort of stuff, and even the vendors here. Nobody's trying to sell me anything yet. They just come in and even say Even the hi. vendors that we ended up on the airplane with. Yeah, right. didn't try to sell us anything. <laughs> it was great, and we hung out with them last night, too. And there's a lot of opportunity up here. The Powder River Basin and even the Bakken up in this region is, is I think, just ripe for opportunity. And I think that's what has gotten, I mean, it got us up from Texas to come to this conference because there is a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity up in this region. Yeah, so a big shout out to the conference for 
especially Austin Jennings. He did a, an immaculate job putting Austin this thing Kit. together. Yeah, Kit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, big Kit. shout out to Austin Kit for putting this together and inviting us up here. Next year, we're going to show up full force. We're going to blow this thing up for you, brothers. Mark and I were actually coming up to this conference separately, and we, we started talking. like, hey, why don't we? <laughs> well, there's a backstory that I'm not going to talk about other than I'll just say I forgot that we were supposed to come here. <laughs> Oh yeah, Mark's Mark's uh, he's moderating another panel at this conference tomorrow morning. Yeah, I'll be moderating a produce water panel. Yeah, what to do with water? I think is the topic. What to do with water panel yeah. tomorrow? So, so again, you know, we were talking about Mark doing all these these panels, and, and you know, if anybody needs somebody to come and, and MC a show, he's a. Uh... And of course, Patrick's here with his company, SitePro. Yeah, SitePro. We do fluid management, automation, and software. So if you've got produced water, oil, anything that moves through pipes, we can automate your process. Cool. It's bigger than that. They do some really cool <laughs> it's tech stuff. It's hard to stuff. do it in a nutshell. Yeah, they do some really cool tech stuff that drives safety metrics, improvement, lowers costs, and just cool stuff. So good. I, I agree with y'all. We need to come back here next year. This has been a great time. Oh, but we did have tacos for lunch. So we came from Texas to Wyoming, and we had tacos for lunch. <laughs> yeah, when I was getting tacos, I grabbed the Tabasco, put a whole bunch of it on, and the guy that was cooking looked at me and goes, where are you from? I go, Louisiana. He goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> enough said. Yeah. Speaking of enough said, I want a big shout-out to IBM. They're the sponsor of this show. Really cool company, doing awesome stuff, especially advanced data analytics and artificial intelligence all I guess it's not theory with them it's not academia they're doing it I've seen it I've touched it major operators are when I say major I mean the major operators are working with them and they're nice enough to sponsor the show and so we have a really cool giveaway we have these cool shirts we spent big bucks on them they're cut for men and women they have a punk a pump jack on the front IBM logo on one shoulder OGGN logo on the other shoulder but the biggest thing is they're consecutive serial numbers so your shirt number is a different than the next person's shirt number that's the valuable part that makes them instantly collectible but the bigger thing is me and Jake throughout the year will then give away really cool stuff so you may hear say hey shirt number 197 you just want an all expense trip to Hawaii to come record with us and IBM at the grand surfing kickoff well, our, I guess I'm going to have to sign up then. <laughs> yeah, really simple. It's a, go to the show notes, click on the link. We give away one shirt a week. And if you want to try to write it down, it's the bit.ly link forward slash IBM hyphen OGTW for all gas this week. Or just, or just go look in the show notes and can you I, just Can click I get some it. swag? I don't have any OGN swag. Slacker. We're, we're, we're going to get you some, but this shirt... Some of our own people have gotten mad at me because I wouldn't give this shirt. I said, no, you have to register one. So even internally, we aren't giving these away. If you want to win one, you have to register even us. I'm just going to register my friends. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good idea. We're at the Rig Count, sponsored by Drilling Info page, what's that number? 984. So it's a down 3% change from previous week. Yep. Down 3%, still a good number. The rig count isn't as important as it used to be. There's not much of a correlation any, anymore between rig counts and production. Well, they walk themselves, so it's, you know, yeah. on to the next. And they use different rigs for different yeah. things. Contract length, I think that's a good indicator. The longer the contracts, the more the operators have confidence that prices are going up. The shorter the contracts, the more, you know. So, but, so, but rig count's always been that, you know, now they can turn them off like light switches, though. So drilling info, if y'all start marketing the contract links, like y'all doing the rig counts, you owe Patrick something. That's right, idea. Yeah. <laughs> it is a, it, But seriously, is it from a business point of view, I would love to see the contract links. Now, you can see that offshore. Right. The offshore ones, they usually announce contract lengths. Yeah. Now they, they play with the numbers because there's MOV costs, DMOV costs. So the yeah. value of the contract is always hard to really pinpoint what exactly that means. But the, the length of the contract is always spot on and that's public. They always announce those lengths. I would love to see that for land. Yeah. So anybody listen, there might be a, a market opportunity for you because I know there would be a demand for it. I would, I would pay to have access to that data. 
And speaking of access to the data, at the end you'll hear Julie do the announcement. She'll talk about the street Hi, team. Hi, Julie. <laughs> we're, uh, we're filling up with the street team, but we might be able to take one or two more, so just pay attention to that when Julie talks. And then speaking of paying attention and conferences, we put all the oil and gas conferences and events in one place in your inbox once a month for the cost of nothing. It's free. I just go to the show, just click on the link. It's our monthly oil and gas newsletter. And speaking of the newsletter, if you have an event or a conference and it's oil and gas related and you want free promotion, reach out to Julie and let her know. She'll put it in the newsletter if it makes sense. Now, don't do what a lot of other people do and try to put their Avon sale or their you know, their school's fundraiser. Or essential oils. Essential oils, yeah. Buy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It has to be uh, oil and gas related. Now, if your school is doing an oil and gas event, we're all over that stuff. And then if you want any of us, you want Jake, Patrick, Paige, myself, Justin, I'm Sarah. I'm still alive. Yeah. Krista. Krista, if you want us to come speak at your Russell. event. Russell, if you want us to come speak at your event, just reach out to us and let us know. We'd be happy to do it. We do a whole bunch of stuff. It's fun. Especially if you're doing an event with customers. It's, your customers love the fact that we'll bring and do a live podcast. And if you're doing a conference, I mean, that's literally right now we're at a conference doing a live podcast. So really cool stuff. Reach out. We'll be happy to share the details. And then we have the first Friday Q&A. You know the deal. You send your questions. The goal is not to stump me and Jake. The goal <laughs> is to ask our opinion to help educate the audience. If we use your question. Stump on the, No, shush. <laughs> if, we, if we use your question, you'll get a big shout out on the air. And the audience, we haven't even started drinking yet. It's already getting fun <laughs> like this. And then while you're online, go ahead and go to Oil and Gas this week. Give us your email address. We Not only will we not spam you, we haven't used it for anything. But at some point in the future, we will. We're going to use it to help notify you when you do cool stuff. And then join the LinkedIn group. LinkedIn group is the companions of this show and all of our other podcasts, which we're up to seven, which you heard Paige rattled off. And I watched her. She didn't read it, so she got it right. So good job, I Paige. closed my eyes. <laughs> I had to think about it. Yeah. And, and then, you know, a big shout out to Julie and Tim, our marketing team, our LinkedIn page, our LinkedIn group. Our Facebook, our Twitter is just blowing up because of them. If you don't follow us, follow us, right? Make Julie and Tim happy. And then, you know, I just want to say thank you, Patrick, and thank you, Paige, for joining me on the show. It's it's kind of nice to get back together. It's like good times. And since Jake couldn't make it, I need some of the help anyway. It was good. It was a little stressful because you threw me the articles about 30 minutes ago. and well, I did worse than that. I sent him the wrong stuff first, <laughs> so he was memorizing the wrong stuff first. Well, I picked him out, so. Yeah, yeah and Paige did a really good job picking out the articles. Yeah, thank you. All right, y'all ready to get out of here? Let's do it. All right, remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. And here's Julie with the events on deck. Hey, it's Julie here, and I have a few OGGN announcements before we're heading into the events on deck. Street team, we are still taking volunteers for our street team. We're only asking for an hour of your time per week in exchange for perks such as free entry to our happy hours, shirts, networking with other young professionals in our group, the group is within Facebook, but you do not have to have a Facebook to join. Just send me an email. The link will be in the show notes and I can get you started. Our happy hours. We are actually moving to quarterly happy hours rather than monthly. So our next Houston happy hour, as well as Midland, will be in August or September. Be on the lookout for that date. You'll get an invite if you're on the list. If not, you can sign up on the list below. And then we are launching another happy hour in Denver in August. So if you're interested in that one, the link is in the show notes as well to be notified. We don't have a date or details for that yet, but they're coming up. Okay, now on to the events on deck. We have Golf for Good on June 11th, 2019 in Houston, Texas. All proceeds go to help redeemed ministries with our long term recovery program and safe house to help victims of human trafficking become survivors. So mark your calendars and be ready to golf for good with redeemed and 
our organizers, Global SEM Energy and Red M. For more information on how to sponsor or register, just click the link in the show notes. Data-Driven Drilling and Production Conference is June 11th through 12th in Houston, Texas. This is where Silicon Valley meets oil and gas. Register at the link in our show notes below. The Energy and Data Conference is June 17th through 19th in Austin, Texas. This forward-looking conference will include the latest in digital transformation trends as they relate to the energy sectors with topics such as machine learning and data management storage, oil and gas development and drilling production, and more. Link down below. Energy Exposition is June 26th through 27th in Gillette, Wyoming. The Energy Exposition is for those who would like to know more about procedures, technology, safety, environmental practices, and equipment used in the oil and gas industry. And again, the link is in our show notes. Argentina Oil and Gas and Energy Summit 2019 is on July 10th and 11th in Buenos Aires. This summit's actually the first and only official event for the Argentinian oil and gas and energy industries. It will present a unique platform for networking that will bring together existing and future operators in the oil and gas industry in Argentina and Latin America. Next up is the 2019 IPANM annual meeting that Mark, Jake, and Paige will actually be speaking at. This will be July 24th through 26th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And this year's theme is Addressing Operator Needs in 2019. And next up is Desk and Derek Fort Worth second annual shoot for the future clay shoot. This clay shoot will be on July 26th in Decatur, Texas. And then last but not least, Summer Nape. This is going to be August 21st and 22nd. It's where the deals happen. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast, a product of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasthisweek.com.